Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. Amen. God bless you. Morning, morning. <laughs> Amen. I sense a very strong anointing for healing this morning. Uh, you know, every Sunday morning when I get here, I remember that we need to buy a new pulpit. The moment the service is over, I forget. You know, so I hope that I will remember. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the women here. Amen. So this morning, I want the ladies to get ready to roll their eyes <laughs> at me because we'll be talking about the Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> A lot of modern Christian women don't like the Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> so she's too perfect. The standard is too high. Why? God's standards are always higher than ours. Amen. You know. But I sense strongly an anointing for healing, especially in my emotions. Amen. Amen. So if you're here and you're brokenhearted, you are dealing with betrayal, with pain, with abandonment, with shame. In the name of Jesus, we come against every such spirit. You are not of God. We command you to lift off and leave God's children alone in Jesus' name. Every garment of heaviness, every garment of shame, we drop you now in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, we thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for your healing right now. We thank you that you heal the brokenhearted. We thank you that you set at liberty them that are bound in Jesus' name. We pray fresh oil. We pray fresh joy. We pray fresh grace over your children right now. Receive the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. Receive his joy right now in Jesus' name. Receive his joy. May his joy bubble in you like a stream of living water in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, many times when people read Proverbs chapter 31, they go straight to the virtuous woman, <laughs> the 31 woman. But you know, this woman gives great advice right from the beginning of Proverbs 31. Three powerful advice for everybody here. Amen. The first advice, and, and this is supposed to be the advice from a mother to her son. So, it is a mother speaking to her son in private. <laughs> and we get the benefits of chancing on this conversation. And the first thing she teaches her son is that women ruin kings. So he should be careful. 
says, my son, women ruin kings. Uh, there's nothing more dangerous to a man of power than if he underrates what women can do to him. Uh, in America, anytime a president leaves office, a portrait is commissioned of the president. Uh, in Bill Clinton's portrait, there is a hint of blue. That is a reminder of Monica Lewinsky. But I think that if it was a father speaking to his son, sorry, his daughter, or a mother speaking to her daughter, she would also tell him, be careful, men ruin queens. Amen. The advice is not gendered. The recipient of the advice was a male. Amen. So he says, be careful, be careful. God can have a great plan for your life to make you a king or to make you a queen, but be careful. If you can't control your sexual desires, that will destroy you. And then her second advice was leaders, leaders or rulers should not crave alcohol. Because alcohol will impair your judgment. That is her point. She says it will impair your judgment. Either. In America, there is this show called Paternity Court, where you know, people go to court to prove their paternity. <laughs> and many times, the woman, well, those who end up in court, many times the woman doesn't know who the father of the child is. And it's very easy to look at it and say, oh, it's just a promiscuous woman. 99% of those cases, alcohol is the culprit. Alcohol is the culprit. A lot of men who get HIV AIDS, it's not because they don't know that you need to use a condom. But when you are drunk, when you are drunk, like really drunk, you are going to think of where to buy a condom or how to use it. Jesus says, be careful. Alcohol will destroy you as a leader. Rulers should not crave alcohol. And then the last point she makes before she gets into this whole virtuous woman thing, it says, always speak up for the poor and helpless. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to point that out because so many times we forget the wisdom she shares that is applicable to general life before she even gets into this whole thing where the virtuous woman it says, the saints of King Lemuel contain this message which his mother taught him. Oh, my son, O oh son of my womb, O oh son of my vows, do not waste your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O oh Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol, for if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. Alcohol is for the dying and wine for those in bitter distress. Let them drink to forget their poverty and remember their troubles no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Amen. So that's verses 1 to 9. And then she gets into verse 10. Are you ready to roll your eyes? Okay, let's go. She's a wife of noble character. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she'll greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spends it. She's like a merchant's ship, bringing her good or her food from afar. 
She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers are twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her, her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She, she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates, where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done and let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Amen. Beautiful scripture. So recently I was on a flight from Accra to Nairobi. I was actually going to Uganda. But there is no direct flight from Ghana to Uganda, so I had to go through Nairobi. And on me on the flight, sitting next to me was a lady called Mary. She's Kenyan. She's a professor in a university. And I discovered she was a Christian. And she said, oh, her favorite scripture is Proverbs chapter 31. I said, okay, let's talk Proverbs chapter 31. <laughs> And I said, who is King Lemuel? And she looked at me and she's like, mm, I don't know who is King Lemuel. And I said, well, a lot of theologians believe it's actually Solomon. Some say it's probably Hezekiah. Some believe he was the king of Massa. But Solomon makes a lot of sense. A lot of theologians believe King Lemuel was another name for Solomon. Solomon had a number of names. My favorite one is Jedidiah. Because Jedidiah means loved by God. Amen. So many theologians believe King Lemuel is Solomon. Which means that Proverbs 31 is the advice coming from who? Coming from who? Bathsheba. And then when I said, so this advice is coming from Bathsheba. Then this woman looks at me and says, oh no, you have ruined it for me. You have ruined my favorite uh, chapter for me. And I asked her, why have I ruined it for you? So we got into it. You know, we started talking. You know, many years of her life as a Christian, she's read the Psalms. She reads Psalm 23. And the fact that David and Bathsheba were both implicated in the story doesn't ruin Psalm 23 for her. But it ruins, it ruins Proverbs chapter 31 for her. You know, she'll read Psalm 27 and it's all right, you know. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 90 and 92, 90, and it's all right. It's all right. She's very much aware of David's flaws, but she can't tolerate the possibility that her favorite scripture came from Bathsheba. This morning on Mother's Day, I want to encourage us, let's be kind to our women. Amen. Amen. There are no perfect people, which means there are no perfect women. Amen. Amen. But Sheba is a very, very interesting character. 
When Amnon raped Tamar, the Bible is very clear in its language and states very clearly that Amnon raped his sister Tamar. But on what happened between David and Bathsheba, the Bible doesn't use the word rape. Her husband was one of David's 33 special soldiers. And the way Jerusalem was designed at the time, the closer you were to the palace, the higher in rank in the military you were. So she didn't live too far from the palace. And she chose, of all the times she could take her shower, she chose 12 noon, a time when she knew the king would have woken up and would be taking a stroll on his roof. It wasn't a coincidence that the king saw her bathing from where he was. But then we also discover that she came from Lodiba. Lodiba today will be like the Sodom and Gomorrah of Accra. She came from the ghetto. Her origins are from the ghetto. Her name, Bathsheba, which means, basically, it, it means a born of the oath. Or, uh, a better, a simpler translation of her name would mean that she was probably the seventh daughter of her mother. Amen. So she came from a big family. She grew up in poverty and made her choices. And they weren't always great. But God in his mercy decides that she will be in the ancestry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is impossible to have Jesus without Bathsheba. Amen. Some of us here have mothers who are Bathsheba's. You know, today they are old and the grandchildren love them. But there were indiscretions and very bad choices they made when we were growing up. And sometimes we struggle to forgive them. We struggle. And this is the little we saw. If we were to ask our fathers who were married to them, <laughs> it may not have been pleasant at all. But God loves the Bathshebas also. And he uses them. Amen. He uses them powerfully and mightily. To the extent where if you look at Jesus' genealogy, there are a number of them. There is Tama who pretends to be a prostitute to deceive her father-in-law and gets twins by him. And then you have Rahab who actually was a prostitute. She wasn't just a secretive prostitute doing this. No, she had her brothel on the city wall of Jericho. She was proud of her sin. And then there was this Moabite, a people cursed and abandoned by God who weaves her way in there through her kindness to her mother-in-law, Ruth. These are the women in Jesus' genealogy. And then you have inexperienced Mary, who gets pregnant out of wedlock and says it's an immaculate conception. Praise God. Praise God. There are no perfect women. We need to be kind to our women. Amen. It's extremely important to remember that. The reason why a lot of rabbis and a lot of theologians would rather have King Lemuel be king of Massa, you know, one of the Ishmaelite nations, or maybe Hezekiah, the reason why they, they so do not want it to be Bathsheba is because they are not comfortable with her story. But it's not about you. It's not about your comfort. Who God chooses to use in this, in this church has nothing to do with your comfort. Who he decides to anoint 
has nothing to do with you. Everything to do with him. Amen. So when she gives this advice to her son and says, listen, this is what you find in a good woman. This is what you find in a good wife. You can actually see her own life experience. The, the things that made her vulnerable, that exposed her wrongly, and the lessons she has learned, you see her imply all of them in her words. Amen. So basically, I'll go over like 10 quick lessons she teaches her son. The first one, he says, money can't buy a good woman's love. Her price is above rubies. Amen. <laughs> one of the good ways of knowing if she's the right woman you are marrying, your money doesn't attract her. Years ago, I had a boss. He was British. And a colleague from South Africa came and he said, Charlie, I've been here for about a week. I haven't got a girl. You know, what's happening? These Ghanaian girls are so difficult to get. And my British boss looked at him and said, oh, it's very easy. Either promise them you'll marry them or indirectly show them you have money. I was sitting there, Ghanaian, and shocked. <laughs> it's very easy. He said, oh, it's very easy. Either show them, you know, tell them you marry them. Or, or just let them know, indirectly, let them know you have money. And Bathsheba teaches her son and says, no, I know you're a king, you have money, but if you're looking for a good woman, she will not be impressed by your money. Amen. The second thing is that her husband can trust her. Now, trust in a marriage has nothing to do with our past. You know, uh, John Milton, the English poet, who also actually was a preacher, once wrote and said, and forgive the language, he said, but every whore was once a virgin. Virginity is something we're all born with. Every, once you come out of your mother's womb, you're a virgin. And so it is no guarantee of fidelity. You know, I know in many cultures, even today, to my utmost surprise, people are big on marrying virgins. You know, where sometimes the people, women will go and have surgery to restore virginity. But it is no guarantee of fidelity. Neither in men nor women. You know, but can you live your life if, if you came into this marriage as Rahab with a past of prostitution? Or you came as, as, as Ruth who used to be married to another man? Or you, know, you came as Mary, totally innocent? Can you make decisions in this marriage in this time that will make your partner trust you amen my trust in my wife has nothing to do with her past but how she lives with me amen so and this is the wisdom Bathsheba is teaching she says listen yes i may have had a past with uriah and i may have had stupid but since i became david's wife how am i living Am I still taking showers 12 noon in the open for people to see? Or am I living differently? The other lesson she teaches, it says the wife, a good wife is an asset, not a liability. <laughs> I think I won't say any more on that one. <laughs> Verse, uh, fourth point, she teaches she knows how to make money and how to save money. Those are two very important skills. Why would she tell her son this? Because if you're a woman who doesn't know how to make money, 
You are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. If you don't know how to make money, if you can't make your own money, you are vulnerable. 99% of the men in the world would only give you something for something. It's not right, it's unfortunate, but that's the truth. So if you can't make your own money, you are vulnerable. It says, learn to make and to save money. Amen. And then her fifth point, she said, a good woman is a planner. She plans. She wakes up at dawn to, to, to sort out breakfast. She doesn't wait for her children to wake up hungry. Then she says, hey, you're all hungry. What are we going to eat? <laughs> if you wait for the hunger to kick in, before you figure out where food is coming from, it is too late. It is too late. And this is not just about food. It's about life. You know, like the guy who went to his boss and said, boss, my wife is in labor. It's an emergency. I need money. Can I get a loan? No. It's not an emergency. You've had nine months to prepare. That doesn't qualify as an emergency. You know that your children will be hungry today. And you know that they will be hungry tomorrow. If your children wake up hungry and you don't have food to, to feed them, you are failing as a parent. So she says she's a planner. The other thing she says which is really important and something we can easily uh, forget is that she also says that you know she wakes up, she plans what her family will eat for breakfast, and then she delegates the household work to her seven girls. Delegation. Amen. You have to live your life in such a way that you let other people do the things you can let other people do. So that you do yourself the thing only you can do. Amen. It's not everything in marriage you can delegate. <laughs> it's not everything you should delegate. But the ones that you can do. Amen. Because you can't do it all by yourself. There are many things you can delegate and it's not a sin. But some you delegate and you'll never recover from it. Wisdom. That's Bathsheba's wisdom. Amen. It says, when you know how to properly delegate, you'll have the strength and time for that which you cannot delegate. Amen. She also knows what her family eats. What do, what do our families eat today? I go to my kid's school, and this is not body shaming anybody. When I was a kid, we had one obese kid in my school, one. And I remember him very clearly because he was nicknamed Idi Amin. One. Today, I go to my kid's school, and more than, you let, about 50% of the kids are obese. When did our genetic this thing change as a culture? Yeah. Bathsheba says, a good parent knows what their children eat. Amen. It doesn't mean you cook it yourself. Some of us have lives where, you know, but you bring a lot more intentionality in determining what they, what they eat. Amen. You don't have to cook it yourself. 
What are servant girls for? You can employ a chef, you can employ a cook, you can speak to a restaurant, you can make arrangements. Not everybody is a great cook. You know. But you must know what your family eats. Amen. Her seven points say she knows how to make herself happy. <laughs> Some people are waiting to get a spouse so they will be happy. Another person cannot make you happy. Amen. If you are waiting for somebody else to make you happy, you will never be happy. Amen. I'm really breaking down her lessons because the language can be very poetic. You know, but I hope this helps you. Amen. Her eighth lesson is that she helps the poor. A good woman helps the poor. A good man helps the poor. Most of this advice is, is, is applies to both men and women. You know, you must, as a man, you must know what your family eats. If you leave me to cook it, then they may end up eating poison. But you know. <laughs> now. In the past, when we've discussed Proverbs chapter 31, we'll say, oh, well, the woman is entrepreneurial. She's this, she's driven, she's passionate, she's calculating, she's this, she's that, but she's not sexy. And then when I was going over the scripture, I noticed, actually, no, she is. <laughs> she is. In verse 20 and uh, 20, uh, 22, it says, she makes her own bedspreads. And then she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. I have an Ivorian friend called Maxine. And before she got married, that's the thing with a fantasy before you get married. And then the reality after marriage and children start coming. But before she got married, she said, no, I'm going to get a pole in my bedroom. <laughs> you know? And I'll be, I'll, I'm going to learn how to, to, to dance on a pole. Nobody told her. <laughs> she had no idea how difficult it is. <laughs> you know, but, but she was thinking right. You know, because she's a lawyer. And she knows how to look very official and proper in public. You know, she's not going to wear some funny clothes in public. But in her bedroom, she wants to take charge. She wants to take charge. You know. She's intentional. She makes her own bedspreads. You know, some cloth that when you're going to get married, in fact, when you were a child, your mother's cover cloth that ended up in your house that you used to carry your babies on your back. You know, 2023. <laughs> You still wear that in your bedroom. This is me speaking as a fancy man, forgive me. You know. So it's be intentional. Be intentional. Treat it for the sacred space it is. Amen. She makes her own it's it's language. She makes her own best spreads. I have to take control. Amen. And she knows, you know, if anybody is qualified to give that advice, it's Bathsheba, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you notice after her, David didn't marry again. <laughs> and, and when in his old age, they actually they brought him some virgin. Like, so let's see if the king is alive. Oh. But Shiva had already knocked all the Jews out of him. <laughs> he lay her, didn't touch her, and then his two sons ended up fighting over her, over the virgin. 
has to be intentional. Amen. Unfortunately, the church, the church has a problem with sex. See, the, the way we talk about it, the way we treat it. So a lot of Christians have a very warped understanding of sex. Because all we hear when we are young is sex is sin, sex is sin, sex is sin. You go to hell, sex is sin, sex is sin. So, and then for a long time in church history, it was churches for, uh, for, for, for having babies. Churches for, uh, sex is, sorry, sex is for having babies. Sex is for having babies. Sex is for. So, but listen, read the Bible for yourself. You know, forget, throw all those things out of your mind. Read the Bible for yourself. He created you for pleasure. The whole thing with marriage is that there are confines. And because if there are children, somebody has to be responsible for them. The biggest problem we have in this society that I'm preaching is, is fathers who are not there. They are available for the sex and then they disappear. A lot of the problems we have in this nation stem from fatherlessness. A lot of women who show up in, you see, these huge churches praying, 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 some men run away. I'm serious. And because of all those things, how we talk about sex tends to be wrong. The Bible has 66 books. There is one book dedicated just to sex. Kojo, when was the last time you wrote a love poem to your wife? <laughs> you know a song of songs dedicated Christians never read that book and then when they read it so it's an allegory your banner over me is like it is Jesus I'm like why why do you have to spiritualize everything in heaven this is the married people here. In heaven, you won't have sex. Oh. You won't have sex in heaven. Yes. The Bible says it will be like the angels. The last point says she's not lazy. <laughs> Laziness. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. And her final word is that you have to reward her if you find a good woman. Amen. You have to reward a good woman. Amen. So as a good example, I think we have gifts here for our mothers today. It will be our little reward. All right, so ACC is setting an example for you. But when you live here, you have to reward your woman properly. God bless you is not enough. Lunch is not enough because even before Mother's Day, she was eating lunch. It has to be special. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray for our women. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness this morning. We thank you that your salvation story would have been impossible without women. In fact, right in Genesis, you said the son of the woman will crush the skull of the serpent. We thank you. We thank you for, for women. 
We thank you for the blessing they are for us. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for them. And Father, we pray that as a church and as a community, we'll be kinder towards them. We pray your love over them. And for everybody who struggles with their relationship with their mother because it didn't go well and all that, we pray that they would have the strength to forgive. We pray your healing grace over them. And any marriage that is struggling here, Father, we pray for healing and deliverance. We thank you this special day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I hear we want to do a song for the women. And by the way, the most popular highlight song of all time is Sweet Mother. Yeah, ah, they're about to sing Sweet Mother. Amen.
When I did cry, my mother go carry me. She go say my picking. What till you they cry? Yeah, yeah. Stop, 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 stop. Make you no cry again, no. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.